All right, so we are back once again in the Detroit is Different Studios. It is a sunny day, but we are show enough in November, November 8th, 2017, and the chill is starting to come, but we have a warm conversation ready and telling four people. I have team member Creative Differences, Jordan. Hi Jordan, guys. how you feel? Good, good. Okay. Good is a good place to be, and we are joined by Toby Barlow, who is a man of a lot of experience, a lot of background, but definitely a pure creative. <laughs> That's what I would say, <laughs> because writing, um, stores, so entrepreneurship is creativity itself, and also a lot of what he's done is keeping an eye and heart into community work, so Mr. Barlow, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. So with this all being said, I would like to begin and get into a discussion a little bit about where you see Detroit in business right now uh, as a as a business owner in the city. Um, what opportunities do you think exist for a small business entrepreneur right now in the city of Detroit and what's to come in the near future? Um, I think it's a great question. I think that right now is a fantastic time to be an entrepreneur in the city. It has been, I think, for the past five or six years. Um, and it, and you can be an entrepreneur all over town, right? So people talk a lot about what's going on downtown, um, and that's true. But I don't actually really think downtown is where the entrepreneurs of Detroit are going to make a difference. I think it is going to be out in the neighborhoods. Um, you know, you're seeing things happen in the West Village and... Uh, Lafayette Park and Eastern Market, you're seeing things happen uh, up in Boston Edison, you're seeing things happen in Corktown and out in, uh, you know, Long Verner and in um, Mexican Town, Hubbard Farm. So there's a lot of kind of new centers, uh, to borrow a phrase, um, where things are, are going on in Detroit. And you, you see people moving around, Detroiters moving around like they uh, really haven't, I don't think, in a long time. So to be an entrepreneur is really um, you can actually be neighborhood building right now. You can be finding, you know, corners that you think uh, have great possibility and activating them. Um, and and if you have great ideas and if it draws a crowd, it'll, it'll actually work. It, it can actually have positive impact beyond just your business on the whole neighborhood. Uh, and so that opens the, the door to oppor other opportunities. Um, you can be a very expansive entrepreneur in this town in a way that you can't in other cities. Okay, so... You actually have the insight of what I think are two of the most present businesses. Uh, I think all business is difficult <laughs> as it takes uh, uh, an understanding of process, always redeveloping that process, and also an effective team to deliver what that business is. But being that you're a part of retailing with Norris and also a restaurant in Gold Cash Gold, those businesses take a lot uh, of time, take a lot of buy-in from the right team, and it's a lot of people that actually have interest in both of those types of businesses, and they say it's like a, just a high turnover with that. So right now, the temperature with restaurants in the city of Detroit, as it's been a huge restaurant boom over the last three years, um, what would you say to that person that's listening right now, thinking to themselves, Oh man, I I don't know. Is is the market overclouded? I mean, is it? It will I have room for growth 
opening a restaurant right now? Uh, I think, you know, you should always be cautious opening a business. It's a big investment. There's a lot of risk involved. Um, but you can mitigate that risk a number of different ways. Uh, you know, how you design your LLC, et cetera. I think that the fundamental question of, you know, is this a swamped market? Is it an overcrowded market? Uh, I would say absolutely not. Um, you know, I think that if you look at the number of restaurants that opened in Detroit in the past two years, three years, there have been a lot of them. Uh, but, you know, there are plenty of neighborhoods that are still underserved by great food. Um, I think that communities really get very energized when there's more conviviality, when there's more common spaces for people to come together. Uh, so, you know, when Slows opened, you know, over a decade ago in Corktown, there was probably not, you know, I'm sure there were naysayers saying, why would you open it? I mean, I know actually for a fact, because I'm friends with them, but they, they faced a lot of resistance of people saying, why would you open a restaurant? And in fact, it's harder to open something when nothing's going on than it is to open something when there's a lot of stuff going on. And and when you do open something, it's just a matter of making sure that your idea is distinctive, that you have that you do have a great team, that you can put a lot of energy into it, that you can kind of find a community to connect with. Uh, I think there are a lot of communities that are still, you know, untouched uh, and, and underserved by the restaurant boom that's going on. And so I would I would hope that people are still thinking about ways to connect uh, and, and to bring their ideas to life. Okay, and one question on the other side of that with retailing, as so much in retail has transitioned to online businesses and the idea of what is traditionally known as a brick and mortar for retail is at times being questioned. So being that you've been running a brick and mortar retailer, what is your perspective for that person interested in that thinking about that what what are some of the advantages towards having a space to retail well i think that an independent retailer should absolutely not fear the digital world the people who should fear the digital world are the walmarts are the best buys are the big box stores the targets um you know there's been an evolution that went on in our country over the past 50 years from small neighborhood stores to the larger department stores to the big box stores now to the digital. Um, the digital is really the enemy of bad shopping experiences, right? So if you hate driving out to a mall that's kind of run down, that it's kind of, you know, the store's kind of nasty and no one really knows where anything is, you're gonna be so much happier shopping digitally, right? So the malls that you see going out of business, I mean, I'm betting, frankly, we're not that wonderful an experience to participate in, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas small retail, you know, the roots of retail uh, can still be marvelous. And, you you know, when, when we worked on our store, we worked on making sure that the pieces were really distinctive, that the kinds of things you love picking up and touching, it, um, that, that you have some kind of uh, kind of mood, a, a, a spirit of the store that transforms people when they walk into it. Right. So you're going on an adventure. And I don't think that ever changes. I don't I don't think that shopping will die because of the Internet. I think that people will be coming up with more interesting, immersive experiences. Because at the end of the day, people have to go somewhere. You know, you have to get up and get out of your house at some point um, or else, you know, civilization is over. So we need to create places that people want to go, whether it's going to, for food or whether it's going to shop. Um, and that's what a city's for. And what's interesting is if digital was really taking over, you wouldn't have seen the resurgence of Detroit that you've seen in the last few years, right? So. It would be easier and easier for people to kind of just stay in their in their dens in Troy 
versus getting up and coming downtown and experiencing the city. But people want, you know, Aristotle says man is a social animal. Man, you know, we are we are a pack animal and we like to be together. So creating environments where people come together uh, in, in a positive way is a business model that's just never going to die as long as there are people. Most definitely. Now I actually am going to uh, assist the conversation over to Jordan. You got any questions right now, Jordan? No questions are popping to mind, but I do want to say I agree with everything you are saying. Retail is definitely never going to die. That in-store experience and that atmosphere is really inviting and consumers want that. Also, I loved how you touched base on other areas of Detroit growing, not just the core of downtown, because that's really what's going to stabilize Detroit over the long haul, you know, having its entire area be strong. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it, the, the neighborhoods are, of Detroit are going to kind of come back. I think that there are fundamental issues that still need to be addressed in terms of, you know, education being the biggest. Yes, agreed. Uh, um, and, you know, personal safety, et cetera. And you really can't have a city until you have those. But there's kind of a cart horse issue, right? So once mm-hmm. you activate the people and you get them kind of interested in building the community, um, then suddenly they roll up their sleeves and they're the ones who work for the solutions on education, et cetera. So I think that there's a lot to be said for just starting out and building these community centers, for lack of a better phrase, um, and restaurants are, in a fundamental sense, a community center. And, you know, when we were building Gold Cash Gold, that's what we said. We wanted it pl- for it to be a place where no matter where you came from, you felt like you were at home in a neighborhood. Um, and, you know, I think that we've succeeded at making it kind of feel very homey in that way. Uh, so I'm trying to, you know, make sure that every institution that I'm a part of actually feels like it's sort of embedded in the community and isn't dropped there from, you know, some conference room idea uh, a thousand miles away. All right. So you talk about conference room idea and we actually met at a conference (laughs) exploring the way to reimagine civic commons. It's a project with uh, many stakeholders, foundations, uh, people creatives, business people, um, urban planners, everyone from government, people are part of the government to receipt of entrepreneurship and business ownership. Um, how, how do you believe a lot of the, the, that, that small business on the ground will impact corporations looking at what happens in a city like Detroit? That's a really good question. I mean, I think one of the things that sort of really hurt our cities and society is as larger and larger corporations have grown and people have become more disconnected um, from the community and the corporations themselves have become the communities, right? So if you go out to California and visit a, a Google campus or a you know Microsoft campus out in Seattle or whatever, you know, you'll find that they are trying to, like, check every box in terms of you, you you park your car in the morning, you come in, you don't have to leave. We have your food, we have your volleyball game, we do your dry cleaning, you know, it's all taken care of. Um, and I think that people in those environments, I mean, when, when your job becomes everything, uh, it can, I think, really kind of, I don't know, it, 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 it tears into the soul a little bit. Um, so, you know, I think that when you're, when you're creating these other spaces, what you're really creating is a way for people to dimensionalize their lives outside that corporate environment, outside the cubicles, 
that they can come downtown and they can kind of just, you know, look at something, talk to somebody, listen to some music, uh, and, and, and feel richer for it, right? So um, I think that that kind of corporate uh, monoculture uh, can be very debilitating over a long period of time. But I don't think people know it. I think that they kind of get trapped in the fishbowl. So figuring out ways to use new tools like social media, um, which people in the corporate environment are watching uh, probably too much, uh, to remind them of the things that they can do outside and the places they can go outside, um, I think are really important. So creating a texture and using those social media tools to bring that kind of individual perspective into that monoculture and sort of puncture it, I think can be very powerful. Hmm. Yeah, uh, the whole time you were saying uh, how you started saying, I don't know why, I just started thinking about uh, <laughs> the other side. of. Uh, I just started thinking about the wall, <laughs> the pink wall, yeah. the Pink Floyd um, <laughs> <Absolutely>. video, <laughs> which I guess that was like, I'm going to even say it, it was theatrical to me because it was kind of like before the proposition of music video being right. music video per se, yeah. very experimental. Um, and that some would say is existent in what, what is being built uh, downtown with some of the corporations in the corporate structure. And uh, I would argue that a lot of that already exists and existed around the industrial structure of the city of Detroit as my community, as we sit in this house right now, uh, Highland park down the street, uh, the model T Plaza <laughs> where the model T was built like this, this community and Highland park itself were built in and around the idea of getting a person to basically stay working for Ford. Oh yeah. Motor company. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at those old, there was a, a fantastic panel. I saw of old postcards that showed, every aspect of the Highland Park factory. And it was that, that kind of all-in-one world uh, that they created. And, you know, you, you see the price of that when they pack up and leave. You know, the, the, there, there's a world gone and there's kind of this hole left and a community that's really trying to figure out what, what to fill it in with and how to fill it in with, you know, strong, positive, interesting communities. Okay. Now... Like I say, as a as a small business, you've you've witnessed a lot of different stakeholders along the way, uh, down to the person like me that just likes the chicken. <laughs> so, right, right. So, so um, what does that look like as a community embraces a business being a part of it, and then how does the business embrace that community? You know, that's an interesting, you know, the, the, the one, one thing from the conference, and you mentioned sidewalks, the one thing from the conference I really liked was when the New York City Parks Commissioner was talking about how they had recognized that the sidewalks were the purview of the parks and they had kind of turned them into parks. And I think it's a really great example of looking around and taking the things that are obvious and reimagining them in, in fantastic ways. And I think that that's what every small business's challenge is, right? It's like, on the one hand, you have to do the work of running the business the way that you run the business. On the other hand, you know, you've got you've to puncture people's, um, you know, you have to interrupt their flight patterns in a way. You have to, you know, people kind of, not, not robotically, but they, but they live by patterns and habits. And there's no reason to think that they're going to come visit you. There's no reason to think they're going to care about what you're doing. So that's where the imagination comes into place. And, 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 you know, unfortunately, marketing and advertising are kind of, 
turned into horrible words because of the enormous quantities of bad marketing and bad advertising that exist in the world that people are subjected to. But you know, creative thinking uh, and creative solutions can really make a difference and impact people and remind people of the value of where they are and, and remind them of the value of being together and, and, and interacting with you know, any kind of business or any kind of community. I, I will say just along with uh, Norris uh, that everything about that, everything about the store is very purposeful, even though it's dynamics of a lot of that stuff that I'm sure like uh, 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 versions of some of those knickknacks or like different home items I could find uh, on Amazon or at Ikea or at Pier One or whatever. But it's not going to be as artistic. But with Gold Cash Gold. I, I remember the first time I walked in there and I'm sure that this happens probably every time somebody's first time they walk in there, you look at the floor itself and I'm like, wow, this is like the first time I've seen like a basketball court looking uh, artistry <laughs> in yeah. a, it like where I can like touch it. Like it, it felt as though this is like a, a basketball court and it's really cool. I felt the artistry was very intentional and I took out my phone and I took a picture and I don't even think I put it on Instagram. I just wanted a picture of that. And I thought that it, it was like a natural, uh, it was a natural, uh, like it happened naturally. And I saw so many other people just do it as well. And I, I told my aunt who, who brought me there, she always takes me like different restaurants cause she, right. you know, whatever and I'll pay or whatever. But I was like, you should have told me this. I was like, you should have told me about this. The first thing you told me instead of like the, the food and stuff. But that itself was what you were talking about. It was experiential just looking at that artistry as opposed to looking at the, the traditional form of like a painter presenting their art on the wall at most restaurants. And I still sometimes look at that as well. But it just it stood out to me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think you can you can probably make a lot of money selling thoughtless stuff. Um, it doesn't really interest me to sell thoughtless stuff. I mean, I I want to participate in a world that is imaginative and creative and uplifting. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to lean into. And I think that Detroit is a, a great town for that. I think it has so many hungry minds and, and fevered imaginations and people who really want to play. Uh, and I think that, you know, it, it's a hard town and it's a town with a pretty brutal history. Uh, but, you know, Amidst that are, are, are thousands of people who actually really want to be part of an uplifting, you know, just, I don't know, more playful city. I mean, my motto is whoever has the most fun wins. And, you know, you look at a city like New Orleans, which has as many troubles as Detroit does, mm -hmm. but you want to go there because they're having fun down there. You know, you want to go to New York City because they, they're having fun there. And I think that, you know, freeing ourselves up and saying it's okay to have fun. And actually, if we do have fun, you know, we, we can actually alleviate some of these problems um, and, and create an environment that fosters, you know, imagination, uh, I think is a really, really great mission for any community and any business kind of to embrace. Yeah, which kind of runs. It's a podcast I host that I talk about different quotes that I have. I have all these quotes on the wall because I'm a big like I have to make quotes to just stick to staying committed to what I do but right. here's one I'm going to run by you and I just want your take on it because it kind of touches on it and I'm bold enough to believe it can happen and that may be the entrepreneur in me that may be the side of uh, the risk taker or whatever but I think my the, the quote is you you love what you have a passion for you enjoy what you like 
I'm bold enough to believe that you can love and like what you do. Like, it, it, I don't think everything you have a passion for does not have to be a, something that's that you don't enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I think that it. I, I think there's there's and and I, I you know obviously there's all sorts of crazy uh, mantras that that em- embrace this, but I do think it's true that there's joy to be found in any discipline w- that that you wholly put yourself right. So I think there's, I think there's definitely joy to be put into any practice. Um, I think if you add to that the idea of look, imagination is contagious, and when you show people a dream. You know, they start. You know, it it it, put, it it sheds a light on their dreams. Um, I think that that is an incredible opportunity for the city and for this community um, to just be kind of sharing the confidence that says, you know, we we can make these beautiful places. We can you know build these great teams that make these that accomplish these incredible things, uh, and and. Just by doing that and just by sharing that possibility, it inspires other people. Okay. So as you're inspiring so many people, as as we've been organizing and, and trying to coordinate this date to talk and everything, um, people see that vision. People see that imagination. People see the the passion you have for something or and what you're enjoying doing. And then your time becomes more and more valuable as that happens so uh as that happens and there are so many great projects so many good people you want to connect with how how do you go about balancing that yourself to not overextend and make sure that you're putting the considerable amount of time and resources into what you're involving yourself with that's a very fun question um i it because it's a huge problem for me um i like shiny objects you know i like uh, interesting ideas. I like interesting people. I like captivating things. Um, one thing I've found is that if you have a team working with you, uh, I mean, you can have a bunch of different teams working on a bunch of different things. So um, you can start ideas generating and see which ones have their own energy and which ones have their own traction. And sometimes it's not the money makers, you know, unfortunately. I mean, I think that the smart answer to your question would be, I look for the ones that actually have the greatest return on investment. And, and, and capital is you know, historically, the, 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 the best way to invest your time. Uh, that's what they say. Uh, for me, it's not. I mean, for me, I like, I like chasing down a dream and seeing how, how big it is and seeing how strong it is. Um, when I was, you know, it was about 15, maybe 16 years ago now, I got really obsessed with the idea of finishing things, the idea that if I had an idea, it didn't matter unless I finished it. So walking around cocktail parties or whatever and being like, I think you should do blah, blah, blah. It was like, that was nonsense. What really mattered was, did you build the team? Did you start making the idea come true? Did you see how far you could take it? Now, it might be that the energy dies out before that idea comes to life. But a lot of times, um, you know, the reason I have this restaurant now, the reason I have this store is that the idea didn't die. And it just came into existence. And then it was a matter of being responsible enough to put the team into place, uh, you know, take, you know, take less money for yourself, share it with as many people as you can and make that idea as strong as it can possibly be. OK, I, I actually like I like that proposition. I like that thought process as there are a lot of opportunities to make capital. I, I have friends right now that are like um 
I mean, as we speak, uh, looking at the, the, the different value propositions on cryptocurrency, <laughs> they're, they're making money, but I don't necessarily know how much they're enjoying it outside of the fact of the, you know, as they say, like the, the value of money is the currency of what the money can provide for you. But there, if you're not enjoying what you're doing to make the money, then you're going to have to make more money to finally turn around and say, all right, so I'm going to go on this lavish vacation after making X amount of dollars or whatever. Whereas I think if you actually enjoy what you're doing, making money, then it, it pays off. Yeah, I mean, I and, and and I'm not certainly arguing against making money, um, and you know, I, I want all my businesses to be successful, and I work hard to to make them as profitable as they can be. Uh, but I guess my point is that I personally don't use money as the decider of what I'm going to invest my time in. Mm-hmm. Um, I use sort of the what I think is the most powerful idea that will have the most impact. Um, and I, I play that out as, as far as I can. Uh, so some of the ideas might be all about my, making money. Um, and, you know, if, if I had a great cryptocurrency idea, uh, I might jump down that wormhole and you might not hear from me for two years. <laughs> uh, I, you know, that, that's, not, that's not where my imagination goes. Um, and I'm really happy with my, where my imagination takes me because it mm-hmm. brings me into contact with mm-hmm. funny, smart, interesting people, you know, mm-hmm. and w- who have great conversations and I laugh a lot and I feel, you know, sort of vividly alive. And I think that that to me is... You know, when I reach the end of my days, I'm going to be like, look, I had good relationships with my people I loved and my family, and I was uh, around people who made me laugh a lot, and I, I we shared fun ideas, and I made some cool stuff. I don't, I don't, you know, you can't take it with you when you go. So, however much money I've made at that point, I don't, I'm not really concerned about. Uh, what I want to have is, is is another kind of richness. Um, I want I want to feel like I'm. A part of a vibrant community. I want to feel like I'm helping people. I feel like you know, o- overcome the adversity that they have, so that they can fulfill whatever promise they have. Those to me are just much more, I don't know, dynamic ideas than cash. Uh, I love cash. I love you know. I think money's cool, um, but it's just not the be and all end all for me. Yeah, I, I definitely think the value of money is more so the 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 resources that can be begotten (laughs) in the exchange of it more so than the cash itself. So, and then uh, due to social capital, which I believe you're, you're touching on the altruistic value of social capital. um, It it provides other things. So being that you're there in one of the communities that has in a decade, like really let's, let's, let's look at slow's barbecue and uh, what, What's happened from, I mean, I guess Phil Cooley's kind of looked at, but let's just say the Cooley family, because it's, it's been a buy-in from that family, I believe. Um, and what's happened in that Corktown neighborhood since then? Yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of goes back to an earlier point, which is that one one establishment in one place can make a big difference. Um, you know, I mean, the, the Slow's success and Phil's success uh, – and, and his family's success with this project are, are, are really admirable. Um, it's been interesting. Phil took a lot, and he's a friend, uh, I should say as a caveat, but he took, you know, he took some grief because he w- the spotlight was on him and, and people tend to throw rocks at any bright, shiny object. Yes. Uh, but Phil has been, you know, a really conscientious person about 
looking, you know, at the whole community, looking at diversity, looking at triple bottom line businesses, you know, how can you help the environment? How can you, you know, help the people? Um, you know, what he did with Pony Ride and the way he's approached uh, building that out over the past, you know, few years. Uh, the, just just the way that they think holistically about the community has been inspiring um, and has reinforced, I think, a lot of really good behavior uh, for people in the neighborhood. So, you know, I think that Slows inspired, I mean, there are a lot of people who open businesses on that block and in that area who don't, I don't think, really care about Corktown other than saying, oh, look, a business can succeed, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also, I mean, I know for a fact that Phil and and the work that he did also inspired a lot of people who who are thinking conscientiously about community and are thinking um, holistically about you know how do you achieve you know raci- greater racial equality how do you achieve uh, greater opportunities for women for transgender people I mean just like the whole gamut of what it holistically means to think about community. Um, came out of this little barbecue place on the corner of this dead neighborhood. Um, so I, I, I think it's underappreciated, uh, and yet I think it's also key to that in- establishment and that neighborhood success. Yeah, I, I definitely think that what he's done, and I, I have a bias towards it because I consider Phil uh, a homie of mine as well, but also with what Brian's done and, and opening his space for, for businesses to to grow and, and, and be retailers and, and actually apartments. A lot of people have moved into that neighborhood. Uh, people have bought in uh, the record store over there on, on record store day. Um, it, it has transitioned in, in that matter of time, which I, I really believe that a decade, I mean, living it, I guess it, it seems like a long time, but that's not that long in the grand scheme of, of, of the, 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 the businesses, the people, the relationships, the development, and also, um, all the stakeholders that have bought in over there in that period of time during the shadow of what I always knew, what, Corktown was represented by as you talk about things transitioning it was always to me oh yeah Tiger Stadium's neighborhood right and as that was no longer all of these new opportunities in in businesses relation everything started flourishing in the shadows of uh, what often can be looked at here in this region as like looking at the vestiges of what was before and what happened and how did it happen and I even think that the POW project to bring and put a space right there I don't, I don't know all of the, the dynamics of the development and what it's doing but I definitely think that more buy-in will happen because of how Corktown has moved forward over and beyond what happened right there in Michigan and Trump. Yeah, and I think that it's going to happen um, in other neighborhoods. I think that, you know, we were talking o- earlier about the uh, Livernois 6 project, the Lip 6 project. I think that what's happening in Hamtramck uh, with, you know, G- Mitch and Gina building this amazing skate park over there. Uh, is, and, and I think, you know, with the soccer work that's being done down in Hamtramck um, and, and the restoration of the old Negro League stadium that they're working on over there. I mean, there are different corners of the city where I think a lot of people are continuing to build and continuing to kind of come to life. And I don't know if you can trace it all to 
a little barbecue restaurant in Corktown. But I do think that the success of that project was a spark, you know, maybe one star in the night that kind of helped w with so many others, kind of illuminated everything. But um, there's there's tremendous possibility for entrepreneurial thinking in this town. And, you know, I, I think if you can understand that there's going to be obstacles and there's going to be, you know, just stuff that you encounter in a city, right? And everyone always talks about Detroit as being such a hard city. I mean, I've been... I lived in Brooklyn. I've lived in Oakland. I've lived in you know lots of places, and, uh, and you were you were born. I was born in Philadelphia, you know, and they're all they're all lovely towns, and they're all tough towns, you know, and and depending on where you are, and depending on on what you're doing and how you approach it. So it's going to be tough here, uh, but there's there's a, a lot of thinking and ideas and uh, tools out there um, to help people kind of begin to make those dreams come to life. Yeah, I um, all all great points, all great points. So as we wrap and close up some of this conversation, um, I have some classic Detroit is different questions. All right, uh, that I always ask. Um, the first one, this is a new one that I got in the mix. Okay, so <clears throat> you're gonna host a block party, the hottest night of the summer for everybody on your street in Detroit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, so. Give us, uh, give us three records that you're definitely gonna spin as the DJ. Uh, well, you know, it, it, there, there would be, uh, um, it'd be tricky. Uh, I'd be very intimidated to spin records in Detroit for starters. It's, a, it, it, this is a town. This is a tough town. I mean, th I just said it was, a, you know, no tougher than any other town, but. Maybe when you're playing music, it's I think the toughest town. But um, it's, it's Toby's Block Party. So all right, so I play. Gonna have to, they're gonna have to rock with you. I would you. start with Al Green's "Love and Happiness." Okay, um, that's a good I, one. I think it's I think it's a, you know, one of one of the best songs ever from the opening kind of uh, the sound of the, the drums hitting. You know, the, oh yeah, the cardboard box. It's a, it's a wooden Pepsi Cola or Coca Cola crate, actually, from my my understanding. Um, and then I would probably go to uh, Prince if I was your girlfriend. Um, I mean, it's kind of, I haven't really heated up, the, but these are just the first three songs. So, I mean, I'm just kind of like getting there. I, but that might be more of a cool down song. I don't know. But I really like that song. Um, and then the third song I'm going to play... Uh, God, you know, I think let me let me just let me just get back to you on that one. I'm gonna have to think of a fantastic one. You ask me the other questions, and I'll I'll keep ruminating on okay, that. Okay, okay, think on that one. Yeah. Um, if you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? If I was gonna rename Woodward um, after one Detroiter, uh, that's a good question too. Uh, You know, I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna bow out of that one and say I don't think I'm enough of a Detroiter to rename a street in Detroit. Okay. Okay. You know, I've only been here for eleven years and what I always tell people is that like if you're if you know, I'm I'm gonna die here, I'm still gonna be that guy who moved here from New York, you know. Okay. All right. Well then this one this one may be a, a very interesting one. Okay. If you were to hang out with thirteen year old you in right. the city of Detroit right, right. now, right. where would you take you? If I was to hang out with thirteen-year-old me in the city of Detroit, this is a well. I I I'm a big fan of the Motown tour. Um, I think the Motown tour is a fantastic entrepreneurial tour. It, you go there thinking it's going to be a music tour, and it turns out to be a tour about how to start a small business. 
uh, and make build an empire. Uh, I'm not sure that a 13 year old would love that, um, <laughs> especially if I was the one doing the tour, um, doing the talking during the tour. But uh, I'm a big fan of. Uh, uh, let's see. I mean, I'm, I I like Signal Return Press is a, actually a, a letterpress shop in Eastern Market that I helped found. Okay. Um, and I really like the record stamping plant in the back of Third Man Records. Um, and uh, that so that would probably be uh, right there. I, you know, I'm just going back to my my third song, um, the the Iggy Pop Lust for Life song. I think is a really. I think that might be. I think you might start with the love and happiness, and then go to Lust for Life, and then end with If I Was Your Girlfriend, and that would probably be a really good Detroit like three song party um okay i think okay i'm with it uh i don't know if you want to leave information of how people can get in contact with you lord knows when i'm gonna be posting this uh, we'll be posting this. i'm very i'm very you can track me down on the web pretty easily i'm all over it so all over the web and yeah. then make sure you stop into norris please gold visit vi- visit nora come down at gold cash gold any night uh we'd love to have you other than mondays or close mondays but Tuesdays through Sundays. Um, and, yeah, visit Signal Return if you're in Eastern Market. We're on Division Street. That's a fun place to uh, go to. Read my books. Sharp Teeth and Baba Yaga are very fun, strange novels. Um, and download my app. It's called Pluck Photo. It's a it's an app that plucks a photo out of your photo stream and sends you a really nice print of it for free. So it's a free app that's kind of fun to play with on the iPhone. Um, so those are the things, yeah, if you wanted to, and, and yeah, go to Nora, Nora, um, Cass and Canfield, uh, right next to Hugh, um, across the street from the, one of those fraternities, I think. So you would not be taking 13-year-old you to the fraternity house? I will not, no. No, no. 13's too young. Yeah. No. I wish I'd gone to one when I was 13. Maybe, maybe 19-year-old you. Would not have been you. good for me. Would not have been good for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. This was fun.